Today I want to make a case for you that I don't think has ever been made before. It's a legal case that I think should be debated in Congress and even argued before the Supreme Court. I believe that explicit racism from the President of the United States is an impeachable offense. Now, Trump has been a bigot his entire life, but this week has been the most explicitly racist of his entire presidency. And I believe that racism from the president is not only a violation of his oath of office, it makes it impossible for him to uphold the Constitution. I'm going to make my case. Just stick with me here. Let's dig in. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. Before we fully begin today's episode and before I press my case before you, I'd strongly encourage you to listen to episode number 58 and episode number 60, where I explain the gravity and seriousness and danger of what Donald Trump has done this week. I think it's historic. So I want you to listen to those two episodes if you can, because I break down a lot of these issues there. But I also want to make a quick observation for us. The Trump presidency is overwhelming. And I've long since believed that that's by design. If you are a Muslim, if you are a refugee, if you are black or brown or a person of color, if you are a Jew, if you are native, if you are LGBTQ, if you are a woman, in this presidency, you are under attack. But the attacks are so frequent that it's genuinely impossible to keep up. And today, I want to make a case that I hope will anchor us in the history of this moment. Because the gravity and the seriousness of this moment is real. And I know how quickly the news cycle moves and moves on from issues that matter. But today I want us to think and talk about the future of this nation. Let me break it down. Break it down. Donald Trump has a rich, varied history of racism and bigotry and discrimination, really going all the way back to at least 1973 when the United States government first filed a racial bias suit against him for mistreating black applicants and tenants all over New York. And at the time, it was one of the largest lawsuits of its kind. And that was 46 years ago. And even in that lawsuit, they were alleging bigotry and discrimination before 1973. So we're talking about a 50-year or so history. He is a lifelong bigot. And in the 50 years since, the list of offenses has piled up. And in a better time, all of those things that Donald Trump has said and done that have been explicitly racist in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, in the 2000s, into the 2010s, in a better time, all of those things would have prevented him from ever being elected. But here we are. He's president, and now he's openly carrying that bigotry right into the Oval Office. And of course he is. If you were a bigot, 
at least as far as we know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and into your 70s, of course you aren't simply going to shed your bigotry as you are sworn into office. But I need you to hear something. Not only do I think he is violating his oath of office, I think his open, flagrant bigotry is an impeachable offense. When Donald Trump, listen to me, when Donald Trump was craving the front pages of tabloids in New York and beyond, in between his guest appearances at WrestleMania and on other wrestling pay-per-views, back then, his racism, his misogyny, and even open accusations of sexual assault and sexual harassment they were frequently dismissed in the 70s and 80s and 90s and 2000s. They were frequently dismissed and forgiven or forgotten by the general public, normally with a wink and a nod. And that happened really because of an equal mix of wealth, of white privilege, and the public's obsession with celebrities. And all of that allowed him to ride and rise above all of these very real moments of openly problematic bigotry. But now that he's the president of the United States and not just an NBC or Comcast employee with a bad reality TV show, mind you, where not a single apprentice ever developed into a meaningful employee. Let's just be clear on that. Not one member who made it to the final round of that show, stayed at the company or became anybody of note within the company. It was always a sham and a ruse. But now that he is no longer just an employee of NBC or he is no longer just a guy about New York City, but is subjected to the Constitution and the laws governing his presidency, he is subjected to the oath of office that he swore to Somebody actually has to enforce those things. Do you know the difference between implicit bias and explicit bias? I've talked a little bit about it here on the show, but I need to explain it to you. Again, I'm talking about the difference between implicit bias and explicit bias. I need to explain it to you in order for what I'm about to say to really make sense. Across the country... Corporations and government agencies, including police departments all over the country, dozens of them, if not hundreds, are offering a new wave of what's called implicit bias training. And the fundamental theory there is that in this country, otherwise well-meaning employees can be racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, xenophobic, they can be bigoted in ways that they may not really even be aware of. The bias is still very real, but the theory behind implicit bias is that you are unconscious of your bias, that it's almost accidental, if you will. Now, I'm not even saying I buy it, all right? I'm just telling you what implicit bias is. It's the notion that people can often unknowingly, unwittingly 
discriminate against others in ways that are still painful and problematic, but may not be overt and explicit. It comes out particularly in preferences, in promotions, but it's not just about preferences and promotions. It's also about who's punished and who's spared. Implicit bias fuels those things, and it's very real. And in all of those things, racial slurs may never be used, but bias and discrimination are still very real factors. So implicit bias training is designed to teach people how they may be advancing systemic oppression without being fully aware of it. Are you with me? Now, do you know why? Listen to me. Do you know why corporations and agencies have training for implicit bias and not explicit bias? Because the answer is really simple. It's not deep. Corporations and government agencies all over the country now getting into the tens of thousands of corporations and agencies that are offering implicit bias training. There's a reason they have training for implicit bias and not explicit bias. And the answer is simple. Explicit bias literally violates thousands of laws, codes, and policies all over the country. When you are an open bigot on your job, the standard operating procedure is that you don't need training. You need to be what? Fired. That's because bigotry is dangerous. And corporations and government agencies have already detailed that. It's dangerous to have a racist doctor. Can you imagine why that might be dangerous? It's dangerous to have a racist nurse. It's dangerous to have an openly bigoted police officer. Can you imagine? Just use your sanctified imagination for a moment. Can you imagine why it might be dangerous for a police officer to be an open bigot? That's why responsible prosecutors all over the country, and I'm thinking about my main man, Wesley Bell, in St. Louis County, responsible prosecutors all over the country, I'm thinking about Larry Krasner in Philadelphia, are now banning the testimony of openly racist police officers that have been found to be openly, listen, explicitly bigoted on social media. Police officers who have been found to be open bigots in St. Louis and Philadelphia and many other cities now, and this is unfolding as we speak, and we'll be talking about it on the podcast next week. Right now, those police officers are being banned from having testimony. In essence, prosecutors can't fire racist police officers. Only the police chiefs or mayors or city councils can do that. But prosecutors are saying, listen, because you are a racist, you can no longer testify in our court system. And you understand why. Because being an open bigot is antithetical to fairness and justice. It's impossible to trust that someone can have sound judgment and sound credibility 
on people different than them when they also openly, publicly admit to hating those same people. Now, that's common sense. And all over the country, we see it day in and day out. People are being routinely fired for their explicit bias, not just on the job, but we are finding places of employment that are literally firing people for their explicit racism and bigotry off of the job, as they should be. Because places of employment, corporations across the country understand the dangers and liabilities of explicit bias. If this past week has taught us anything at all, it has taught us that Donald Trump is not implicitly biased. Now, we already knew that, but sometimes you need overwhelming evidence, and this man's bias is not implicit. His bias and bigotry are overt and explicit. In other words, this man is not a YouTube video or an implicit bias training away from being a better person. When he told four sitting congresswomen of color that they should go back to where they came from and that it couldn't happen fast enough, that is so overtly, explicitly bigoted and biased. And this blew my mind that an almost identical phrase, and it's still on there, I just checked, is listed on Trump's own government website for being an example of bigoted communications that are unlawful in places of employment. It's listed right now on the website of the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And we almost never say those words out loud. We say the EEOC. That's the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. That's a thing that still exists. And on its website, it says the following. And so much of this is right where Trump has been this week, and it's, it's essential. It says, quote, Ethnic slurs and other verbal or physical conduct because of nationality, that's what happened this week, are illegal. If they are severe, they have been severe, or pervasive, yes, it's been pervasive, and create an intimidating, check, hostile, check, or offensive working environment. If they interfere with work performance, it's illegal. Or if they negatively affect job opportunities, it's illegal. Examples, it says, of potentially unlawful conduct include, and I need you to hear this, insults, taunting, or ethnic slurs such as making fun of a person's foreign accent or comments like, and you couldn't make this up, comments like, go back to where you came from. They are illegal, whether made by supervisors or co-workers. End of quote. Can we, can we just pause for a moment the United States government 
literally details the very phrase that Trump just uttered as their actual example of unlawful workplace misconduct. The paragraph also alludes to the very reality of why explicit bias is problematic and can't be tolerated. Because after Trump first targeted the four congresswomen on social media, his followers then ran with it and gave his initial attack a life of its own. When all of a sudden, thousands of attendees at a Trump rally in North Carolina began chanting, send her back, send her back. When they began chanting that to Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, they literally created the hostile environment that is detailed in the quote from the EEOC. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I think that moment was and is one of the single most bigoted moments in modern American politics. The next day, Trump, who has literally told over 10,000 lies in office, then told one of the dumbest of them all. This was just yesterday. Saying he said this, and I am I, I'm having to clinch my fist again as, as I talk. He literally said that he tried to stop his followers from making the bigoted chant. Sir, no, you didn't. You are lying. He said that like we don't have eyes and ears. The man literally basked in the chant. He stopped giving his speech and allowed the chant to grow and get louder. And he did so for a full 15 seconds. And when he started speaking again, Trump said nothing of the moment. He didn't rebuke it. In fact, he restarted his attack on Ilhan Omar and doubled down. And that, ladies and gentlemen, that is why we don't have training for explicit bias. Because racism and bigotry are a virus. They spread and mutate and shapeshift. They find new hosts and take on new forms. Racism and bigotry are like a snowball. It's a snowball effect. And explicit bias is a conscious choice with dangerous repercussions. And you would be hard-pressed to find a single, fair, clear-minded expert on racism and bias say that what Trump has done this week is anything other than open, flagrant, and dangerous bigotry. I have a quote that I want to share with you, and I'm not going to tell you who it's from. I just want you to guess, all right? Because when I read it, it shocked me. And until I tell you the quote is over, I'm reading from it, okay? So just in case, I just want you to understand, these are not my words. This is all from the op-ed, and I'll tell you who it's from in just a second. Vile repellent, shameful, shocking, disturbing. Those were my first thoughts as I watched the crowd at President Trump's rally in North Carolina last night, chanting, send her back, send her back, about a Muslim congresswoman, Ilhan Omar, as their president stood proudly making no attempts to stop them. Some people raised fists, some were just children. 
all of them seemed united in racist rage. I feared this horrifying scene might ensue after Trump had so recklessly and offensively instructed Omar and her four-woman squad of young female Democrats to go back to their own crime-infested countries of origin. But to actually watch and hear a large gathering of thousands of predominantly white Americans chanting such a blatant, infamous, racist trope about a democratically elected fellow American made me shudder. It continues. Then it made me angry. This should not be happening in modern America. And the fact that Donald Trump is not just allowing it to happen, but actively encouraging it to happen is an indefensible disgrace. The president keeps insisting that he's not a racist. And this is, it's continuing. And I've repeatedly said that in the 13 years that I've known him, that he's not a racist, because I've personally never witnessed him being a racist. But since running for the White House, his inflammatory language has flirted ever closer to crossing the line into overt racism, and now he's crossed that line big time. Let's be very unambiguously clear. What happened in North Carolina last night was not just racist-fueled demagoguery, but it bordered on fascism. There was the President of the United States whipping his supporters into a hyper-animated state of rage about a political opponent because of her ethnicity. End of quote. Do you want to guess who that long quote was from? It's definitely not from Lindsey Graham. It's definitely not from any registered Republican. That was actually from Piers Morgan who I loathe, but who is a lifelong friend and cheerleader and defender of Donald Trump. And before we applaud Piers Morgan, soon after he made what I thought was a bold, courageous, respectable statement on Trump. When I read that, I was moved. I I loved it. I thought it was powerful. But soon after that, he then goes into his own weird, indefensible attacks on Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. But the greater point is this. Excuse my language. Piers fucking Morgan said this was not just racist-fueled demagoguery, but bordered on fascism. Do you understand what I'm saying? That a man who openly supported Donald Trump and has known him for nearly 15 years and has defended him at every turn. Let, let, me, let me bring up the article and tell you the title of it. The title of the article is Flirting with Fascism. And, it, and the subtitle is, This was the most sickening moment of your presidency, Mr. Trump. Stop your dangerous, racist rhetoric now before it's too late. Do you understand that we are in a moment where a problematic man like Piers Morgan sees the bigotry and racism and and more coming from Donald Trump 
and felt like he had to betray their friendship to call it out? Presidents and prime ministers right now all over the world are calling Trump out and are openly saying that the bigotry demonstrated by Trump and his followers is depraved and unacceptable. That's where we are right now. We are in a place where both Pierce Morgan and the prime ministers of Canada and Germany and countries all over the world are literally saying to their country, listen to me, don't you mimic this. This is unacceptable behavior, and we know it's coming from a president, but listen, country of mine, you cannot be like this. That's where we are. You could not find a single serious employer in this nation that would allow an employee to say and do what Trump and his followers are saying and doing right now. And I'd call that a major fucking problem. Do you hear me? It basically means, here's where we are, that the only reason that Donald Trump has not been fired or removed, the only reason is because he's the president of the United States. He would literally be fired from any other major corporation for this dangerous tomfoolery. And only Congress has any real power to hold the president of the United States accountable. And all those scores of progressive Congress people, nearly 100, have called for impeachment hearings to proceed. Speaker Nancy Pelosi, for whatever reason, continues to be against it. So let's examine, though, for just a moment, first, what the presidential oath of office actually says, because it's just one simple sentence. It says this, just one sentence. I do solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute the office of president of the United States and will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. That's it. That's the oath of office. One long sentence. But I have questions. Can we sincerely say that a man who has done what Trump did this week is honoring that oath of office? The question it really comes down to is this. Can an explicitly biased person quote-unquote, faithfully execute the office of the president of the United States? Can an explicitly biased, overtly racist person, quote, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution? That's the question that this podcast has been leading up to. Can an overtly racist person preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution? And I emphatically say to all of you who are listening, hell no. In my opinion, I think a case could be made, should be made, that an explicitly racist person cannot preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. They cannot, and, and let me break it down and be specific, an explicitly racist person cannot preserve, protect, and defend the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment or the Due Process Clause of the 5th Amendment. 
Now, see, both of those clauses were authored during times when the nation was in great crisis, and they were authored to protect groups of people who would likely otherwise be marginalized. They've been challenged and successfully defended for over 150 years because the Equal Protection Clause and the Due Process Clause were designed to ensure that all American citizens are treated equally. Can an overtly racist person, and again, we're at that moment where Piers Morgan is saying that Donald Trump is an overt racist. Can an overtly racist person who swore an oath of office to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution actually do it? It's a question. It's a question that I think we should be asking, not just on this episode of this podcast, but we should be asking that question in Congress. We should be asking that question before the Supreme Court. Can a person who is explicitly, overtly racist treat everyone equally under the law? Now, I feel dumb even asking such a question. Now, of course, if you let an explicitly, overtly racist person tell you, they will tell you, yes, I can treat everyone equally under the law. They'll tell you that uh, if you ask them a hundred times, they'll tell you yes a hundred times. But letting a racist be the judge of whether or not their racism negatively fuels and shapes the way they think and make decisions is ridiculous. It's the very reason why, listen to me, it's the very reason why overtly, explicitly racist people are fired from every single type of place of employment. If you are an overtly racist person, Walmart will fire you from bagging groceries. If you are an overtly racist person, Uber will fire you from driving cars. They've done it. If you are an explicitly, overtly bigoted person, Amazon will fire you from packing a damn box. McDonald's will fire you from making burgers. Because when you are an explicitly, overtly racist person, you are a liability. And this is key. It gets to his oath of office to defend and protect and preserve the Constitution. When you are an explicitly, overtly racist person, you can no longer be trusted. So you will get fired from Shake Shack or Burger King or Wendy's or the local corner store or gas station. Because when you're a bigot, you can't be trusted to be safe in your place of employment. You can't be trusted to be fair. You are a liability. And what's painful is the marketplace Corporate America has already worked out the reality that what the government seems unable and unwilling to acknowledge, which is that when you are an overtly, explicitly racist person, that you can no longer maintain your employment. Corporate America has worked out what the government of the United States has not. 
which is that simply being president of the United States should not give you permission to be racist. The exact opposite should be true. The president of the United States should be held to a higher standard than an entry-level employee at a Fortune 5,000 company in this country. And right now, Donald Trump is not being held responsible for his bigotry, and we have put ourselves in what I believe is a constitutional crisis as a result because this man should never have been trusted to be expected to uphold, to preserve and protect and defend the Constitution. But now that he has shown and revealed his true colors, he needs to be impeached. And only Congress has the power to do it. With that said, we just have one simple action step for you to take today. Action, 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 steps. Action, 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 steps. My people, we are building a team. Right now, over 20,000 of you, nearly 21,000 of you are a part of that team. But we want you to join. We've called it the Breakdown Crew. We've called it our Action Steps team. But the team is now the Action Pack. And we need you to go right now. And you can donate. You can chip in. You can volunteer. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can do all of that right now at the Action Pack. That's the Action PAC.com because we are building a team to respond to this very thing. Go right now to the Action Pack.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Please begin chipping in because we're working on something special. Take care, everybody. Break it down. Break it down. Break it down. Ooh, break it down. Ooh, break, the break, the break.